symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blaspheme and despise, though it's ancient, it abides. A shrine to death that stands for life to me. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. You see, why this old emblem is so dear to me. It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. It breathes the gap from man, offered cleansing for our sin. An icon that reminds us that we're free. There was a cross made for the Son of God in Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though we could have walked away, the cross. God forbid that I should ever let my memory fade, but forever keep the cross in view, for that's where I was saved. I was saved. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. Though he could have walked away. chose the cross, amen? He laid down his life willingly, amen? That's good stuff right there. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down willingly. Well, Brother Kevin Cavanaugh is going to come. He's going to preach for us. Before he does, I want to have a quick word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just ask now that you would again anoint the lips of your servant. Father, I pray you do the work in each of our lives that needs done most. Again, Lord, we gather here today because we understand and recognize that we are a needy people. And Lord, we know that if anything's going to change in our life, at least permanently, eternally, it's going to have to be a direct result of your Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our lives. Now, Father, again, I pray you do a mighty work here in this place. Walk these aisles and bring conviction to our hearts and change to our lives. We'll thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Appreciate it. So good to be back with you. It's starting to feel like family around here. 
And uh, preacher, uh, uh, you may have started, we may have started our friendship because of my brother, but it's going to go and continue to go. I thank God for this church and ministry. And you know, as soon as you bring young people with you to a place, it's it, it's over now. It'll be nothing from here on out. When are we going back to that church? When are you going to take us up there? And so uh, I thank God that I'm able to be here tonight. And uh, my brother Phil snuck in there. I was about to, I wanted to pull rank so bad. I'm the older brother. What I say goes. But uh, he's on vacation, so we got to let him just sit back there. But Lord willing, you'll be able to get him next time. And uh, so I'm glad to be back here this evening to be able to preach the Word of God for you and uh, to be back in the house of God. It's not just Stephen, too. Of course, Josh, you know very well, is our brother-in-law, and we love him dearly. We thank God for him and for his sweet spirit and for, uh, and for taking our sister off our hands. We thank him for that, too. <laughs> Praise God. Thank God. God bless you, Josh, wherever you're at. Praise the Lord for that. Man. Good. Hey, the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God, that we could be the sons and daughters of God. So He chose the cross, and then He chose to make us a part of His family through the cross. And what, what a blessing that is. Uh, have you said Happy Father's Day to your Heavenly Father yet today? I trust that you have. I hope that you did. I hope that you started with that. First thing in the morning this morning, thanking our Heavenly Father uh, for His goodness and love in our lives and for the way uh, that He uh, ministers and cares for us and provides. You know all the things that you say in the cards that you get for your earthly father. They're good to say to your Heavenly Father. Thank you for your provision. You're a, you're a hard-working dad, and I appreciate that. There's some of the things we say to our earthly father. And boy, what a time uh, I had this morning with my heavenly father. And my earthly father's up there with my heavenly father. And I don't know if God was able to tell him hello, but uh, I, I hope that he did. I don't know how that stuff works or anything like that. Uh, like the Apostle Paul, uh, you don't want to get too crazy with that kind of stuff. The Apostle Paul just said it best when he said, whether I was in the body or not, I know not. I'm not going to mess around with that. And uh, you, get some, you start saying some things and people want to put you in a straitjacket and, and haul you off. And uh, so, but anyway, uh, I, thank the, I thank my Heavenly Father right now just for getting me here safely tonight, driving about five and a half hours. And I wasn't really worried. It's not the road that worried me or other drivers. It's driving with the young people that worried me. And so I praise God. Oh, God, give me help. Post angels in the van and, uh, and that kind of thing. But I enjoy it. I, I enjoy taking the young people and being able to go on trips with them. And I believe it's a special time to be able to engage with them. And uh, they don't like the way I sing. I don't know what the problem is, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we, we had just a great time, and it's good to be back here this evening. It's good to be in the house of God. First Timothy chapter number four, if you will, tonight. First Timothy chapter number four, and uh, I, I don't want to be real long, and uh, the young people know what that means when I say that. I don't want to be real long, and uh, it's Father's Day, and, and uh, I thank God for the fathers, uh, the good fathers, and I'm uh, thoroughly confident of the great fathers here in this ministry, and I thank God for the good fathers at the Valley Baptist Church. We just had a wonderful day, wonderful day. First Timothy chapter number four at the Valley Baptist Church this morning. Uh, somebody walked the old sawdust trail, and I don't just mean that figuratively. I mean it literally because Nick forgot to vacuum one spot on the car. Little Nick, he's here. He forgot to vacuum one. And there were some papers and stuff down there. So I'm just calling it the Sawdust Trail now. Okay? And uh, I mean it fig figuratively and literally now. And Nick's going to do a better job vacuuming the carpet next week. Uh, I'll tell you that when he gets home, he's vacuuming that carpet. But boy, it's good to see somebody saved. It's always good to see people saved in the house of God. Our Father was moving this morning, and I want him to move again tonight here in this room. And so 
I thank God for the prayer that was already made. First uh, Timothy chapter number 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, uh, verse number 1 if you will, uh, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. You see that? Don't command somebody to abstain from meats. Man, thank God for... You know what we did for our fathers on fa- yesterday? We got them all a New York strip steak, and they came to our house, and uh, me and my wife, we cooked that up. Man, thank God. And we're just sitting around eating meat. I don't know why we, inv- I don't know why we made it a father-son thing. It's nice to eat your steak in peace. And those little rascals were running all over the place. And, uh, and how dare they? I don't remember wanting steak when I was seven years old. I just wanted the hamburgers and hot. But these kids these days, they're all hovering around the grill. Can we have a piece of steak? Get out of here. Get out of here. That is the time to command to abstain from eating meats right there. No, sir. Eat a hot dog, will you? Or do something. Go have a hammock. Go eat peanut butter and jelly for crying out loud. But you know, we see these things that are happening in this day and age. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the, the brethren in remembrance of things, thou shalt be a good minister. Oh, God, help me. I want to be a good minister. I want to be a good minister right here tonight in this ministry. A minister of Jesus Christ. That's who I'm a minister for. A minister of and to and through and by Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives, old wives fables. That's just the the chatter. And that's what's happening today, by the way. Don't think this is far-fetched and out of the way. People love these conspiracies. They love. This is old wives fables. Two little old lady standing sitting around talking about all these stories and everything like that and boy it was the talk of the town everybody's going over to mrs jones house and the ladies get around with you i hope there's no jones in here tonight but mrs jones house and they're sipping tea and they're gossiping just having a good but nobody has the same fervor and passion for the word of god youtube video with some far-fetched theory yup eating it up talking about it with my friends indulging in it getting around it eating it up drinking it up a merry time but when it comes to the Word of God. That's boring. That's too long. How much longer are we going to be skipping my Bible reading, skipping my prayer time with God? No big deal. God help us. God deliver us from that. We need to have a passion for the Word of God. Refuse YouTube. That's what that's saying right there. Refuse YouTube videos and get into the Word of God. I might have been adding a little something there to the Word of God and... uh, uh, verse number nine would jump to this is a faithful saying worthy of all uh, acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. When was the last time you suffered reproach for the cause of Christ? But we uh, trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe these things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy and of the laying on uh, of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Young men, can I encourage you? Give yourself holy, holy, holy to the Word of God. Uh, Keep yourself holy and then give yourself holy to the Word of God. 
Cut that stuff out. Cut the stuff out that's taking you away from the Word of God. Give yourself wholly to the Word of God. We need some men. Well, hey, I'll just say it tonight. We need some fathers that are willing to give themselves wholly to the Word of God to meditate upon these things and to dig out great truths that'll help. I may mention that here again in a minute. Uh, Verse number 16, take heed unto thyself and unto doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I want to preach tonight from that one little line right there. Take heed, take heed unto thyself. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word tonight. There's great power in just reading God's word. You can almost preach by just going through it just like that. But they get me on a lot of rabbit trails when I start reading too many verses in the Word of God. There's just so much that is real and applicable to the day and age in which we live in. And I hope it's alive and real to you that you love this sacred book that you're indulging. There's some people when when I'm preaching, I know they have no clue. No clue about the power of this book. And boy, what I can encourage you tonight, fathers... There's great power in the Word of God. It's a wonderful book, a useful book. Don't neglect it. Now, here this, uh, take heed, take heed unto thyself. When I preach this message tonight, and when we preach in general, we're so much better with other people's lives. It's so much easier as a pastor to find the faults and problems of other people. And to, to see them out. I'm just talking about the flesh of man. I, 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 won't, I pick on myself, I'll pick on you now. How about, isn't it easier to see the faults in your spouse than it is your own? It's easier to see the faults in, uh, we got one amen, thank God for that. Uh, maybe two or three on the thigh. Yeah, yeah, thank God for those two or three right there. Uh, it's easy to see the faults of your children. But when it comes to self, it gets a whole lot. The Bible says, I'm talking about the word of God says, hey, hey, take heed, take heed to thyself. And during this message tonight, I pray that you take heed to yourself. That everything that is said tonight from this pulpit, I pray that you take a second right now and make a commitment in your heart. I'm not going to think about my neighbor. I'm not going to think about the pastor. I'm not going to think about the preacher. I'm I'm not going to think about my spouse. I'm not going to think about my children. I'm going to take heed to myself this evening. I'm going to think about what is being said here tonight. Now I want to give you three quick things just by way of introduction on why, why we need to take heed to ourselves. You'll see here in this portion of scripture, uh, scripture, the Bible says that three little words, continue in them. Continue. The reason why we need to take heed to the word of God is because we are sheep. And all we like sheep have gone astray, and all we like sheep like to go astray. (laughs) It is one of the major characteristics of a sheep. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. So this is uh, reason number one. When you cease to continue to do something, when you start to go astray from, let's just say, what's in this portion of Scripture, sound doctrine. When you begin to go away from sound doctrine, you move away from, you begin to stray. You know what the first thing is you do? You quit doing the thing that was right. 
And you and I, we got to recognize this. If you think that you're so good that you can go a week, a month, or, uh, or even a day without asking God, what is my position before you? If, you can't, if you're sitting in this room tonight, God help us. If you're sitting in this room tonight and you can't remember the last time you fell on your knees and simply asked God that question, simple question, God, what is my position before you? Where am I at? And if it's been, I'm telling you, if you can't think tonight, oh, I beg of you this evening, hit this old-fashioned altar and say, God, I want to know how is my position with you? Where do I stand? Where am I at? And I'm telling you, uh, let's just pick 24 hours. If it's been any longer than 24 hours, you are not where you think you are with God. Because we are prone to wander. And we need on a regular basis to learn to take heed to ourselves. Moms and fathers in here so busy. Life is so busy taking heed to our children. Mom, when was the last time you took a step back and, and took heed to yourself? And thought about yourself as your daughter as the daughter of your heavenly father, as a son of your heavenly father, prone to wander, we are a sheep. And he says, you take heed, Timothy, to yourself and continue. Stay on the straight and narrow. Go the right way. Do the right thing. And it is very crucial, Timothy, if you're going to survive, that you do this on a regular basis. Number two, not only taking heed, but I see here in this portion of Scripture, because what I am doing can be seen by others. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I believe with all of my heart that everybody sitting in this room tonight, you have the key to somebody's heart. You may not even know the person or have, or, or, or have uh, uh, this specific interaction with this person. But I'm telling you, all of us are preachers. Every man, woman, and child in this room is a preacher. And I'm telling you, you're holding the key to somebody's heart. I get the privilege, I said I get the privilege of preaching a bus class every Sunday afternoon. And boy, what a joy it is. And there are the kids... That are, and this goes, by the way, uh, preacher for all, for all the people in the church. Sometimes it's, it's not even the one that seems like you have the key to their heart. There are ones that I know. They run in, hi, Pastor Kavanaugh, hi, Pastor Kavanaugh. And they interact and they're there. But little Johnny or little Susie sitting off the side that's quiet and reserved and may never. I often find out in the end through somebody else or when they got a little bit older that, oh boy, I remember Pastor Kavanaugh. Boy, I remember. And they can tell you more than the kid that interacted with you all the time. I'm telling you, you may have one or two children, three children, five children I'm telling you you really really have the key to one of your children's heart now we want to have the key to all of our children's hearts all the time but sometimes it's just the way it is you don't have to work as much with some as you do with the others and there's one you're holding the key they're watching you and your anger affects them your bitterness affects them your animosity affects them you got the key to their heart or your love is affecting them your kindness is affecting them your mercy is affecting them he said hey continue in these things and in doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee people are depending upon you 
staying on the right path. God, help us to be able to stay where we're supposed to be so that when some of these young people that have left out decide to come back, they can find us right where we belong. Old school. Wherein is the old ways? The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16. What part of old don't you understand? What part of old don't we understand? It is not in the new way. The new way has no rest. The new way. They make it sound so good. Uh, there was a young man that I'm dealing with as a preacher. And he's got his third church maybe. I don't know. And uh, he's got uh, second or third church. And his, he's restless in his. And he's just. He comes back to our church. And he sits in church. And he's like. Man. When I come in here. It's just like going back to my childhood. You guys got the hymn books out. You're singing the songs. People are shouting in church and there's something going on with the preaching and the special music and the ministry and people using the altar and all these things. But he doesn't want rest for his soul. He doesn't believe that it's in the old past. Hey, young man, thinking about the ministry, thinking about starting a church, thinking about how it's in the old past. It's in the old way wherein you shall find rest for your souls. Wow. People are watching People are depending upon us. People, hey, I don't know if you recognize, but there's some people out in our world today that need to be saved. In doing so, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We need, we, we can't, I know, I, listen, I get sucked into it all the time. Uh, my brother Phil, I'll speak on his behalf. We get, we get sucked into all the negative things happening every once in a while. Not that bad. It's kind of hard to ignore some of the things that are going on. Stuff out there. There's some people that need some safe. I mean, I don't know that I'm not going to get into it tonight. This is not my pulpit, but man, some of the stuff out there blow your mind right open. And by the way, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about in the church. Right. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> really? Where did you get that from? But I want to save them. Maybe they don't need to be saved. The Bible says to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your souls. That word save there and your soul is not, has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with saving your mind that is destroyed from drugs, from pornography, from the philosophy of the world. You receive with meekness. You start transforming your mind by memorizing the scripture. You receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. Not just reading the Bible, but memorizing the Bible. It'll transform your mind. It'll help your thought processes. By the way, I'm not going to get into it much tonight, but anger and abuse, pornography, drugs, all those things will cause your brain. Your brain is supposed to fire these electrical, electrical pulses from point A to, to point B. But when you get into those things, your brain literally, scientifically now I'm not talking about hypothetically, spiritually literally your mind the paths, the wiring gets all messed up. And that's why you have a conversation with some of these people and you're like, where did that come from? That's not what I said. How did you hear that? 
Why are you thinking that? Why are you doing that? Why are you having this way? And I'll know immediately their electrical impulses aren't firing from A to A like God designed them to do. But good news, folks, if you'll receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, if you'll take a portion of Scripture, start memorizing the Word of God, God will supernaturally through His Word begin to help you to think right, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God versus some of the nonsense that you can spew when your mind is not right. For in doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Number three tonight is because what I do will have future ramifications. Can I ask you a question? When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 16, was Timothy in need of saving? Was he erring doctrinally? Was he erring in his mind? Was he astray in some unbiblical way? I submit to you, no. So, if Timothy would take heed to himself, there would be a future ramification for his life, and that would be that he'd be able to keep his ministry straight. That he'd be able to stay on course. That he would be able to do the right thing if he would take heed to himself. He would both save himself and them that here. He didn't need it here, but somewhere down the road, he would avoid a problem. He'd avoid a difficulty. He'd avoid hardship. Recently, somebody came back to our church who left when I first became pastor. And they took eight years to figure out that they were out of God's will. Eight years. And now they're back. And that's what they say. Just right out of their mouths. We should have never left here. We should have never done that. We made an error. We made a mistake. And you know what their mistake was? Their mistake was not knowing the will of God. Talking about, talking about when they left personalities or this or that. What's the will of God again? No, no, no. We're done. Gone. Sorry. Sorry we left. In doing so, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. It'll keep you on the right. Hey, get in this word. And get a word from God. Woo! It'll help you. It'll keep you. Future ramifications in the negative avoided. For Timothy, it got quiet in here. Holy Spirit, keep working. Woo! All right, come on now. All right, I'm closing down. You ready? Young people, the plane, the plane is going to land. Uh, she says it's taken back off. It's a fake landing. Here we go. Things that I need to take heed to. I'm going to give you seven things, and they're not going to be long. I got seven C's for you tonight. Number one, Christ. 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 Hmm. How are you doing in your relationship with Christ? You know, the Apostle Paul, I, oh, well over 300 times 
talks about Christ. Oh, he had a sweet relationship with Christ. I, I want to follow that relationship. I want that relationship with Christ. Take heed to thyself. Here, Hey, can I just remind you what I said at the beginning? Who are you thinking about right now? Did I get you all in a tizzy with the first half? <laughs> that was intentional. That's the way the Word of God is. You, you don't think the Word of God's intentional? It's amazing what the Word of God knows when you think nobody else knows. <laughs> hey, take heed to yourself. How are you doing with Christ? I don't think there's any greater portion of Scripture than Colossians chapter number 3 when it comes to Paul's idea of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Christ, take heed unto thyself. How are you doing with Christ? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Uh, how about verse number three? For when, uh, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, verse number four, when Christ who is our life shall appear. Can I ask you tonight, take heed to yourself. Is Christ your life? Is Christ your life? How about verse number 11? But Christ is all. And in all. Oh, you want me to read the whole thing? Okay. Verse number 11. Where, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. When I preach sometimes, preacher, I love busting on the hardest words for professors, for theologians. No. Yes. All. What part of all? How many years do you have to go to school to change the definition of all? It takes about three degrees. And it's done. All means all. All the time. Now you got to go to school for 15 years to get that out of your system. All means all, all the time. And the Apostle Paul knew Christ was all. He's all I need. He's all I need. Oh, Christ, take heed to yourself. Oh, I, you, you say it this way. Hey, when I'm preaching this kind of thing, yeah, oh, yeah, me, me and God are like this. I like asking it the other way. I know if I say, you know Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Christ. But it's a little bit more sobering when the preacher says, come on, answer. Answer. Does Christ know you? Did you, did you talk to him today? And don't forget, Christ is standing right next to you. And what's he saying? Liar. I've been back here for three weeks. You haven't mentioned a word to me. Christ. Oh, I could preach all these things for a while tonight. Number two, your companion. Your companion. I know it's Father's Day, but 
Husbands, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Do you care for her? Do you love her? Do you cherish her? Do you sacrifice for her? Let's think of some of the things that Christ has done for the church. Oh, it's all good game. I hear it all the time, brother. Oh, yeah. Man, if something was going on in Walmart, I'd take a bullet for my wife. But you won't carry the groceries in for her? No, all big and macho. You know what Christ repeated over and over again about his life? Hey, did I mention Christ? Did you hear me say Christ? Do you know what Christ Jesus said about himself? Nevertheless, not my will. Christ only died in the flesh one time, but over and over and over and over and over and over, he gave himself for us, for His purpose before His heavenly Father. Nevertheless, not my will, not my will, not my will. Don't fool yourself. You can't give up of the slightest thing to your wife. You'll be ducking under the shelves with the rest of the Walmart shoppers when the bullets start flying. But you show me a man when he gets home and he hits the lounge chair and he's got his drink and he had a long day at work and he's tired and he's hurting and he's in pain and his dear sweet little wife speaks from the kitchen, honey, could you take out the trash? Nevertheless, not my will. And you put your chair down and you take out the trash. Bless God, woman, can't you take out the trash tonight? I had a long day. I'm talking about your companion. I'll preach another message, how to be a fourth giving person. I'm about to break out in it right now, but I'm not going to. I'm going back. I'm going back. <laughs> we got to get through these things. Number three, children. Children. I talked about it before last time I was here. We got a crisis. We got a crisis. With fatherhood. We got a crisis. Oh, God help us. They play such a pivotal role in society. Has squashed them. Sad. There's all... I don't want to get into it tonight. But you know manhood's under attack. Being a father's under attack. And by the way, when I say under attack, we're well. This is 25, 30 years. I don't know. Somebody a little older than me might know 40 years. We are now suffering the ramifications. We need some fathers. Children. Children. We got to care for them, fathers. We have a responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When was the last time you heard a message on fathers, a father's nurturing? Don't we always tie nurturing to mothers? We have a direct command from God to train. We have a direct command to show in the Old Testament. We had we show to impart the faith. To impart our faith to our children. 
All of these things, they take time and they take energy. You want to know why I don't play video games? You want to know why Pastor Cavanaugh doesn't cook? Because God has given me a role to fulfill. I got no problem with a man cooking. You don't want this man cooking. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is not at the top of the list as to why I don't cook. Do you know why I don't cook? Because when I get home, I have a role to fulfill. And I got four precious children. And they need to develop their skills in basketball and baseball. They need to develop their skills. Not shipping them off, although I'm not opposed to playing basketball on a team. But daddy, where are you at? You have a responsibility to instruct in the Word of God, to train, to impart your faith. I'm so glad that my wife cooks because I don't have time to fulfill my biblical role and cook. I got a lot to do. So this whole role reversal thing is so damning and damaging to the home. And it's it's hurting so bad. My wife could help the boys, but the statistics don't, the secular statistics don't back that up. They say all the statistics, this is what I mentioned last time we're here, all the negative statistics, suicide through the roof, imprisonment through the roof, all these things through the roof, and they don't put down there because there's no mother in the home. You know what they write down there? Secular psychologists and psychiatrists, they put, he didn't have a daddy. Take heed. Dad, it's never too late. Right now, take heed to your children. Come on, it's so short. Me and my wife made a commitment at the beginning of the ministry that we were going to focus. I have a desire to be in the ministry for 40 years. Any seasoned preachers in here, you're probably like, you're nuts. Who makes that commitment? 40 years. (laughs) I'm just joking about that. You can smile right there. there. But do you know by the time my children are six, six years old, that's, boy, I'm not going to say it's too late at six, but I'm just telling you, you've missed some real years. Don't miss that, fathers. IBM is not worth that. Good year is not worth that. No amount of money is worth that. It's just a precious. Ask God to give you some longevity. Try to stay healthy. Try to stay in shape. You can work. As, you got six. It's all just so quick and so precious. And you give it up on a video game? Give it up for a dollar? That precious soul and that precious life. Oh, God, help us. It's so short and it's so precious. Ask God to give you a dose of wisdom to get it and don't have to just hear it from an older person who says, hey, you better cherish the moment. Ask God to give you a divine wisdom from above and cherish those children and love them and invest in their lives. Number four, character. Take heed to thyself. Take heed to thyself. How's your character doing? You know, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3 talks about this word. The express image. Talking about Jesus Christ. 
Do you know the Greek word for that? And I'm not big on Greek words and all that other kind of stuff. I do know the Greek alphabet. That's all I remember. I'm homeschooled. I can't count, but I know the Greek alphabet. Oh, you don't believe me? Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, yoda, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, xi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, sigma, tau, upsilon, pi, chi, psi, omega. I said, I didn't learn anything else in school. But that's where we get the word character from. Character. How's your character doing? Jesus Christ exemplified 55 character qualities. Every one of them can be found in 1 Corinthians. They can't all be found, but the basis for them can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Does anybody know what chapter that is? That's the love chapter. And there are 11 things that love is in that portion of Scripture. Love suffers long. So in order to be long-suffering, you need four distinct character qualities. I can't remember them all right now. But if you're going to be long-suffering, number one, you have to be forgiving. You're going to need kindness. You're going to, if you're going to be long-suffering, you're going to need patience. So there are 11 descriptors there, and there are three to five character qualities you need in your life. In order to do, my whole point was saying everything that I just said is simply this. How can you bring to your life what you don't have any clue about? How can you bring that to your life? How can you understand? How can you make any progress with your character? Character is such a, a large and wonderful subject and you, you get it and you start, you talk about training your children. There you go. Why don't you find these character qualities and start giving one to your children every week? I preach a series with the young people. It's been a while, 52 weeks on character and I just do one character quality and I go through it on, uh, for Sunday school. There you go, fathers. It's not that complicated. You could impart a character quality every week to your child. Because God knows. Have you seen the help wanted signs? You know, you thought you had a pandemic with this virus? There's a pandemic of help wanted signs out there. It's like a plague. Everywhere. We were in North Carolina just the other week. Just driving down this one street, 150, down there near Lake Norman, just for five or six miles. I mean, every gas station and store and boat place. And I mean, just brother, help wanted signs everywhere. See, the government only works when we let it work that way. It's feeding into the poor character. Why work for something? When you can have it for nothing. There's poor character. Young parents in here, are you teaching your kids good character? <laughs> yeah, you you want to see, uh, the other day, we were, <laughs> we were loading up some tables to take over my house from the church, brother. Some tables and chairs. And there were some kids. I won't mention any names. You should have seen the way they were carrying these chairs. What in the world happened to taking two chairs under each arm, you know, the metal folding chairs, and putting them under each arm and just walking like this? Why does a six foot five man 
need to carry one chair on his head. <laughs> what in the world? I got to teach my character thing again. I'm, I'm lacking behind that. Whew. That's a, uh, some parents may not like it. I grab my son. You ever carry a chair like that? And it'll be a permanent fixture on your head. <laughs> Are we online? Oh, man. More dislikes coming my way. Number five. Community Baptist Temple. Now you just put church there. But since your name starts with C, I get to just make it personal for you tonight. Take heed to thyself. Uh, are, we on, are we in the Abrahamic covenant? Let me ask it this way. If we were under the Mosaic law, what would you do to be right with God? You follow the Mosaic law. If we were in the covenant, we'd be, we'd be following the Abrahamic covenant. Well, this is the church age. I said the church. We're in the church age. So you want to do a great work for God in the church age? Then where do you think you ought to do that work? Can I ask a question, people of God? I trust this is Sunday night that I'm not really hitting any chords here. Where do you think our work should be? In the church age! Why is it so hard? Why is it so distant sometimes? So neglected? So underappreciated? You know that in the Old Testament says that our forefathers looked. They looked. You, you got it. You, you, you think that. You ever hear a preacher get up? And there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. Maybe you said it before. Man, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to talk to the Apostle Paul. Young man, do you know the Apostle Paul's going to want to talk to you? They looked for the day of Jesus Christ. They looked to have Jesus Christ in them. They looked to be a part of the church. They want to talk to you. Church. Oh, two things. Christ died for you, and he died for the church. The church. The establishment of the church. Why? You can only be saved by Christ. And you can only be successful with the church. Period. End of story. All power in heaven and earth is given unto you. It's in the church. It's in the body of Christ. Not in people's basements. Without a pastor. It's in the church. The living organism. It's not at McDonald's. It's, not, it's where, well, you could, hey, you buy a McDonald's, you could turn it into a church. Keep the Big Mac maker. It'll help fellowships go a whole lot easier. Hey, do you love Community Baptist Temple? You love this church? Oh, go home tonight and say, God, 
Take heed to yourself. Oh God, I want to be a part of the church. I want to sing. God, if you want me to sing, I want to sing in the church. God has given you a gift at salvation for the church. I, now, I don't mind if you use that somewhere else. The Bible, I don't believe, brother, minds if you use it. But how can God give you a gift and you're willing to play here and you're willing to go there, but you're not willing to play in the church? God given you a gift Amen. to sing in the shower. Bring it to church. And put your clothes on first. (laughs) There's more truth to that than God help us. Hey, love the church. How about your preacher? Watches for your soul. As a man that's got to give an account before God. Oh, he's got to give an account before God. One thing that I've been working on for eight years in the ministry, and thank God we finally arrived. I will not listen to your criticism if you can't pray with me. How dare you? You could criticize the man of God, but you can't pray with him? Come on. Amen. You can't pray. You can't pray. So I set up prayer times. I got prayer times all over the place so that the men are without excuse. Come pray. It's amazing when you pray with your preacher. (laughs) Can I just say this? I'll get off this before I get in trouble. But you can pray with your spouse. You, You can criticize the precious wife that God gave you. You can fight with her. But you can't pillow your head at night and wrap your arm around her and say, Oh God. Thank you for my wife. Bless her. And you may, like I do, about right there. (laughs) That may be as long as it is. But how dare you criticize her? You can't pray with her. You could criticize a brother in Christ and you haven't spent 30 seconds praying. Am I on a rabbit trail? Where am I at? God help us. Number six, community. Hey, take heed. Take heed. Ah, teaching the bus class. Oh, what a wonderful thing. (laughs) You know what I preach about? Creation. Homosexuality. (laughs) These kids. And you think I'm way off subject? Well, you try teaching some of these kids and they raise their hand. (laughs) Yeah! Ah, the other week. Ah, but what if there are... Two dads in my house. So don't think that you're over their head. I humbly submit you just got to trust God. The world's putting it into them. Their homes and houses and community, it's all over the place. It's on all the bus stops. It's on all the yard signs. It's in their school class. It's all over the place. And then they come to the independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church who holds the sacred word of God. And we cower. And the devil's like, ha! Chicken! Now, of course, I keep it age appropriate and all that other things, lest I get an email. (laughs) 
Hey, Community Baptist Temple, what's the, what, what's the word? What's the first word of your church? Community. Your community needs you. God didn't put you in California. He didn't put you in Mexico. He didn't put, he put you right here. He put you right here. Community Baptist Temple. When was the last time your knuckles knocked on a door? I just talked about how dare you criticize without prayer. I better not hear a word come out of your mouth about any of these relevant social issues. You're not allowed to talk around me. Now we'll do it on Saturday morning because then we're going to go out and we're going to do something about it. But that goes back to the beginning of the message. We'll sit and talk about all of these things and whine and gripe and complain. But we won't take... The power, all power in heaven and earth invested inside of you. That's for boldness, for courage, for loosening of your tongue. So you can knock. Unless I get an email, I know if you can't walk, that you can't go soul winning. But God knows your heart. And what are you doing when others are going? Is it in your heart to pray? To lift them before God. To, to come into church. I thank God for a lady who comes in our wheels in on Sunday morning. And she's got concern for what happened in our ministry. We have other people that are shut in and things like that. And I'll, this, this one lady so sweet. I'll get an email. I'll get a text. A preacher, uh, it, uh, nobody knows what in the world is going on Saturday. Oh, uh, it's just a men's gathering. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'll be in prayer for that. She wants to know. She don't want to miss out on anything. Seven. Our country. The country. Let's take heed to ourselves. So now, we're in rubber city. Rubber land. I'm not sure what do you call it over here. There's a lot of rubber use coming over here. Let's let the rubber meet the road. Do you know why we have an old-fashioned altar? People say, altars were made up by man. Don't you ever read your Bible? The altars started way back. And they have a divine purpose. And do you know what it is? This is just one. It's a first step of faith. People that use the altar are more likely to succeed because of the first step of faith that they took. God did something in their heart and they're going to do business with God right now. I trust by this point in the message, you started thinking about yourself. Take heed to thyself. With every head bowed and